Hello, and welcome to The Athlete Diaries. I'm your host, Guy Walker. On this podcast, I take you through the journeys and challenges of professional athletes, from resilience to mental health and life away from sport. On today's episode, I speak to Aussie NFL punter, Jordan Berry. You can tell from the conversation, Jordan has a very strong work ethic and is a very resilient person. Jordan shares his amazing and unique journey to getting into the NFL. We speak about what living in the US is like and how the college system works. From being picked up by the Steelers after not getting drafted from college to setting records with the team. Being so closely followed in the US, Jordan speaks about how he deals with the added pressures of fans and the media. There's even a few stories about how securing contracts and how brutal the NFL can be for some guys. Jordan Berry, welcome. Welcome to the show, mate. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. How's everything going on uh, over there with you at the moment in the in the US, mate? It's a little bit different here in Australia. We're starting to come out of it a little bit. Um, so how's everything been, been going over there for you? Yeah, for me, it hasn't really changed a whole lot this off-season. Uh, it's kind of the period where we're not really doing a whole lot from a football aspect. So in that area, it hasn't changed a lot. But yeah, as we're getting closer to the season, you know, everyone's starting to get a little stressed out trying to work out how things are going to progress and how we're going to be able to run the season so yeah it's a lot yeah. of things floating around but nothing concrete yet yeah what are you hearing at the moment because i've seen somewhere that they're going to try and get you back into camps in late july but is that is that something that's going to be possible yeah so i think the the aim is to still get us all back in uh yeah late july early august uh try and you know line it up so everyone's even at the same time so you know we're, yeah. we're supposed to be doing the hall of fame game having five preseason games so from what i'm hearing that's probably not going to happen so yeah, that's uh, benefit for us an extra, you know, week less of training camp, which a lot of the guys here will be very <laughs> happy with. Um, but yeah, from there, it's yeah, it's be interesting to see what they do in terms of all the, the protocols and that to try and stop it spreading. Yeah, wow. Well, what's it like? What, like, I'm I'm sure that so many people in Australia listening won't understand what a training camp is like in in the NFL. But obviously, a lot of people know what it's like, and yourself probably seen what a uh, what an AFL cricket preseason may look like for some blokes. Is it similar in the NFL or is it completely different? It's sort of from what I've seen of the AFL preseasons is it's a lot more spread out. Um, like it's still, you know, obviously quite intense, but yeah, there's a lot more time that the coaches have to work with to be able to, you know, get their playing list structured, who they want their, you know, their first team to be, you know, implement those game plans and stuff. Whereas in the NFL, we have a, a summer training period that's, it's, not too intense because they're pretty limited on the rules. Like, you know, we can't wear pads. They can't do yeah. full contact. And obviously being American football, that's a pretty important aspect of the game. So it all comes down to like training camp where, you know, we have less than two weeks from when we turn up to our first preseason game. So in that, you know, less oh, yeah. than two week period, they've got to get the guys. We have, you know, three days of acclimatization where they still can't wear full pads. But so once that's up, basically it's full go every day, three hours straight. Um, those those big units are just slamming into each other over and over again. Um, so it's yeah, for me, someone who doesn't have to do all that, and I'm just out on the other field, just kicking and making sure I'm ready to go. It's 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 neat to watch, but yeah, I definitely wouldn't want to go through it. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could think of better things to do than getting smashed by them boys. What do you mean when there's when there's no pads? So why aren't they let to wear pads in in summer training? Um, it's just to stop the wear and tear on their bodies because if you let okay. the coaches, you know, do whatever they want, yeah. the guys are they're going to be making them hit quite a lot and as you know you get guys that are hitting you know early mid 30s playing offense and defensive line you know they they have enough trouble carrying around 320 pounds they don't (laughs) want to be 
you know, fighting like pretty much every single day. So yeah, yeah they want to, it's part of like a union deal in the CBA to try and, you know, mitigate yeah. the sort of chance of injury in that. How did a Melbourne boy end up getting, because obviously you went to Melbourne High School, you probably, I, I saw that you played a little bit of footy for Aberfeldy and um, a similar route to a lot of a, a lot of younger boys in, in Melbourne in, in playing AFL. How did you get into into NFL in general anyway? And then how did you sort of get onto that journey of, of going, actually, I really enjoy this and what's the next pathways for it? Yeah, so coming up out of high school, um, I lived in Melbourne for year 11 and 12. Before that, I was in Perth for year 9 and 10. Um, so yeah. as I was sort of leaving Perth in year 10, I'd sort of seen a little bit of American football. That was sort of that that time period where Ben Graham, Savarock, uh, Matt McBriar and stuff were yeah. in the league. So seeing those guys come over and, and do pretty well on, on TV and that, that's sort of what, you know, got my attention towards American football. Um, through that, I sort of learned about college football, um, started to think that, you know, that might be a pretty good option. Um, but obviously at the same time, year 11, 12, I was playing, I was, I was on the list with Cannon. So I was, you know, still had that dream of playing in the AFL. Um, but yeah, obviously it was starting to look like that wasn't going to be an option for me. Um, wasn't the best runner. I, was, <laughs> I had, had a good <laughs> kick, but yeah, the, in terms of the distance running, it wasn't too flash at that. So uh, yeah, looking at all the guys come across American football, seeing what you can get from college, which, you know, they, they pay for your accommodation, they pay for your food, you get a degree out of it with yeah. no fees. And then you're also getting to play in what's essentially a professional environment. Uh, was, yeah, something that really caught my attention. And yeah, so you know, pursue that a little bit more in terms of my research and yeah, eventually met up with Nathan Chapman and John Smith at Pro Kick and yeah, they were still starting out at that time as well. So they, they really didn't have any idea what they were doing at that point. You know, they sort of knew the path, but it's definitely not like the, the machine it is today. So yeah, it was, yeah. It was good fun work with them and we yeah, eventually ended up at EKU. So how does that process happen? Does it, when you were back then, I imagine it was, it was different to what it is now. So I've seen some somewhere that you sort of almost make a YouTube video of you kicking and stuff and then and send it to a, to colleges. How does that all happen and how did you get picked up? Yeah, so back then, um, yeah, it's not what it is today with Nathan John. Today, they basically have coaches come to them like, oh, who have you got? And they'll be like, oh, you know, we have these these guys here. Here's their video. You know, take your pick. We, were, we reckon, you know, player A matches up to this guy that's been at this school the last three years. He's got a similar style. So... Yeah, today it's a very streamlined process, but back then they didn't have those contacts. So what we did is, you know, we worked, trained, got to the point where we felt we're good enough to come over, took a bunch of video, uh, put that up on YouTube. But yeah, you're thinking, you know, early 2008, it's not the best quality on YouTube. You can barely see the balls and stuff. So, <laughs> you know, you really got no idea what you're looking at. So we actually all got together. There was me, Alex Danaki, Tom Dynam. So they went to Hawaii and Portland State. Um, a couple yeah. other guys came over as well. But yeah, we all went to... Um, some of the prokicker.com camps. I uh, went to Vegas, San Francisco, and yeah, um, LA. And it was at those camps where we actually got to see some of these people in person. Um, so at those camps, I had some guys that were playing college football, working at them. And then it was through those guys that they went back to their coaches and like, yeah, those videos are legit. This kid's actually like hitting the ball well. I think you should give him a shot. Um, so that's how I ended up at EKU. And yeah, wow. sort of having that extra couple people in the line to vouch for us rather than just Nathan and John who at the time would just be you know two random blokes from Australia giving a phone call to a college coach who you know half of them have no idea what Australian football even is still today so yes yeah, <laughs> it was different. Jeez that, that's that's a pretty amazing story isn't it and then what's it like for a young fellow to go over to America leave mum and dad and um, family and friends to go into the to the US college system 
And then also as well, like it's crazy looking at some of the the crowds for these college games as well. You're probably going from maybe a couple hundred people watching your game at Aberfeldy to just putting on the uh, Eastern Kentucky jersey and walking out in front of 50, 100,000, some of these games are. What's that all like? Yeah, so it's EKU. We, we didn't really get the biggest crowds, so it's yeah. a little bit different to some of those guys that are going to you know, like Texas, Ohio State, all that yeah. sort of stuff. But um, I had a pretty easy transition in our first game. We actually got delayed a whole day because of a tornado. So instead of playing <laughs> on like a night game, That's different. Yeah, so it was supposed to be a Thursday night game. So all the students that knew it was the coming up, we ended up playing Friday morning at like 10 a.m. So my first game in college probably only had a thousand people at it. So it was, for me, it was yeah. a good gradual build up into it. So I got, you know, the nerves out of the way in a game like that. There really wasn't anyone there. And as the season went on, there were some other games we had with bigger crowds and playing at the, the FCS level. Um, we usually played one or two games against some of those bigger schools. So later on that season, we played, uh, played against Louisville. I think it was week three or week four. So that was, yeah, that first experience in front of, you know, 55, 60,000 people. And wow. yeah, it's just a, a pretty great, no, it's just an awesome experience. You can't beat it being out there playing in front of that many people. It's, yeah, something you dream of. Yeah, well, it's, it's all, that's pretty much like playing in front of a, a final at the MCG. It's that them kind of numbers, it's just incredible for college. And what what is the college? The college system over there is so much different to what we have here. Like, obviously... Here it's sort of you get drafted in AFL when you're 18 or you get picked up as a cricketer or whatever when you're, when you're quite young and you sort of have that option to study and um, it's not really forced upon you. But in college, obviously, you're there for four years, you get a degree out of it. Um, there's so many people there, you play in front of massive crowds. What's the difference in the system like? And did Has it almost been an, like a great thing for you to go, yep, I've sort of got something to fall back on, a degree at least, if even if things didn't work out? Um what is college like? Because you obviously see in so many movies how, um, how different it is over there to here. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing and a bad thing, I think, the, the college system. So yeah. obviously the positives are that everyone coming through the system is going to come out with some form of education. So, you know, if you go through the whole way and you graduate, you're coming out with a college degree and, if, you know, you manage to be one of those guys that are playing at a big school, you're getting it from a prestigious university. Like you think about it, you can end up in Ivy League school, you go somewhere like Stanford, Vanderbilt, just purely from your football ability. So having those options is obviously fantastic. Um, the one thing that I think is a negative from it is that there's very limited sport outside of that system once you finish high school. So obviously in Australia, like when you get done, you can go play local footy club, you know, all the way down, you know, seven, eight divisions, you know, basically hang out with your mates and play a game. Whereas over here for, yeah. for football, you know, it's basketball a lot of the time, depending on what area you live in soccer as well once you finish high school you've got no options you can't even really play recreationally so i think that side of it's oh, a yeah. negative um but yeah overall from from my perspective from what i've gone through being able to be in that college system having people guide you through encouraging you to go to class so you know if you've got guys that really aren't the best students the coaches will turn up to those classes make sure that they're there you know wake them up drag them off to class all that sort of stuff so for a lot of the guys it's extremely beneficial and you know it's a good thing so is, is that sort of one of the rules that at your college was if you didn't have sort of that um, average score or something like that, then you pretty much couldn't play ball? Yeah, so the NCAA, the governing body for the whole country, they have limits where you have to be over a certain grade point average and a certain percentage progression to completing your degree each semester through. So it sort of stops those guys from slacking off and not doing anything. Um, but then at our school as well, yeah, they had sort of higher limits. So 
there was an extra you know 0.5 gpa above the ncaa's one so if you're even getting close to that limit that'd, that'd be all over you're forcing you to um mm. we had like a study hall that you'd have to go to and everything but <laughs> yeah luckily I, I got my gpa up pretty quick so i didn't have to go anywhere near that yeah. place after my first semester <laughs> <laughs> that would be an absolute nightmare imagine that um throughout your your college journey you're, you're in a lot of all team all first teams all second teams and um, doing quite well was it always when was the point for you that you were like geez I'm a sniff to, to get picked up by an NFL team um, I always felt I had a strong enough leg uh, the thing for me was the system that we ran in college which is a system that nearly every team runs today it involved a lot of yeah. rolling out running with the ball setting up different options and fakes and stuff through the punt unit because the rules in college are different to NFL so it, it really enables you to run a lot of those things so for the way that I went about it it made it difficult getting that look at the NFL because I didn't have many of those pocket punts for them to get on film uh, to be able to send off to teams. So really at the end of my senior year, I only had, you know, 10, 15 kicks that I could actually send off because we really didn't run many because they're not interested in looking at me you know, run five, six yards sideways and snap a banana on my shoulder. It's, it's not what they're into. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I felt I had a strong enough leg. I was getting that attention and a look though, which, end up being quite difficult i didn't even get a, a chance to try out for anyone for for 12 months so oh wow uh, yeah it's yep. a little different road to some of the guys you know if you got those bigger schools their attention's on you but yeah being in eastern kentucky you know our pro day we might usually get two or three scouts and they're usually the same two or three that know the lunch is good so they'll come down for that rather than to look at the players so yeah, it's a little little yeah. different <laughs> yeah so because I, I did read that like i'm that that you ended up getting picked up by pittsburgh undrafted how did that all come about did you play somewhere or how did they end up coming to you yeah so i went back to australia for eight nine months after i finished college okay. um yeah you know visa was up didn't really have any job prospects over here to, to keep me around so yeah went back yeah. just worked odd jobs and it kept that goal in mind and it actually worked out pretty well because i got to work with nathan and john you know three four times a week and that really helped me out quite a lot so that when i did come back i went to a couple of these privately held um scouting like uh, they call them I can't remember what they called them, but they basically get together, you kick, they'll film it, and then they'll try and use their contacts to get you picked up. Um, but luckily enough, I actually switched agent, and he had a contact at Pittsburgh. So I was turning up to those camps, but at the same time, they're like, hey, we got you a try at Pittsburgh lined up next week, so just make sure you're ready to go. So ended up not even really needing yeah. those those camps with everyone else. I just rocked up to Pittsburgh, you know, kicked really well on my tryouts. So they signed me up. Um, from there, we actually had three punters on the roster at the time, so... Yeah, went to the rookie mini camp where they bring all the rookies in. Um, you competed with another guy there, beat him out, and then you know, got to hang around for the summer training and then for training camp. Um, and yeah, beat the other guy out and took the job. Wow, well, yeah, because that's what some like I think it's pretty pretty well known over here. Sort of that Valentine Holmes or Jared Hayne went over there and um, had a crack at NFL as well. And it just looks so brutal them training camps and them summer camps. Like you read in the papers that some of them. Um, they might train for a couple of months and be on a little wage, and then literally just they might get they might turn around and go, uh, nah, here you go, mate, you've got the flick. Is it that brutal, or how does it all work, summer camp? And you're always like trying to challenge for your spot, aren't you? Yeah. So in the regular season, you have 53 players on your active roster, plus then you get another 10 guys that'll be on your practice squad. So everyone obviously sees those massive contracts that the star players get, but the majority of your team are going to be you know, middle of the pack getting, you know, one, maybe $2 million, which obviously is quite a lot of money, but in comparison, those guys are making 20 a year. It's, yeah. it's not a whole lot. Um, and then you've got all your rookies um, and you guys on rookie deals. So 
if you get drafted, they can put you on a four-year contract on, on a rookie deal. So unless you're first or second round, that's going to be at league minimum. And then also if you're undrafted, you get put on a three-year deal on league minimum. So you think a large portion of the rosters are on those contracts, which yeah, that's not guaranteed money. So you think like the AFL, they sign you a three-year deal and they let you go, you still get your money. Whereas here, I yeah. sign a three-year deal and they could just watch me sign it and pick it up and they could literally just tear it up right there on the spot and it wouldn't matter for anything. So um, it's, yeah, it's different, um, but it's, yeah. it's somewhat, it's a good, good thing because it really forces guys to be on top of the game and it's a real like all like the great meritocracy is guys who have their jobs on merit and that's it like you have to earn your spot every single year you can't just get complacent and just just sit there it's like you know you're not on full scholarship like you are in college you're not just gonna have that job no matter what you've got to you got to earn it um yeah. so yeah during the summer they'll they'll bring in 90 guys we'll have a roster of 90 people so you get to that last week of training camp and you know they're turning guys out every 20 minutes as soon as the scout sees them he's like yeah come here mate off you go on the bus here's your stuff in a bag is that what happens is it yeah so our team's pretty nice but i've, I've heard some <laughs> other teams where like guys will rock up and they'll just stop them at the gate and give them a plastic bag with their stuff and tell them to go home <laughs> so it's yeah it's it's pretty cutthroat jeez that is i've literally never heard I've, I've heard of it obviously being pretty brutal but that is that's unbelievable so some blokes can pretty much go through the whole of summer training and then do well and think they're a chance and then could be in the last week they might get to the gate and they get handed a bag and say on your bike mate thanks for coming but yep. uh try again next year yeah that's definitely what happens so yeah it's it's interesting well, like you get like in the summer like, you still get paid but it's yeah nowhere close to regular yep. season wage like I think after taxes, my rookie year, I was getting like 300 bucks a week, which, you know, it, at the time it was good money. I was happy to take it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, once you hit those regular season checks and you start seeing, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, 400 grand divided by 16 games. Like, you know, you're getting pretty good chunk yeah. of change every week. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's an interesting scene seeing the guys there just get come in and out, big cycle of people every year. Yeah, well, it's incredible, isn't it? Um, with the With the guaranteed money, I think, Probably a few listeners are probably like me and think they're an expert now in uh, NFL contracts after watching ballers. Um, <laughs> what, what is the guaranteed money? Because obviously you see it all the time. Like it's like you get a $10 million contract, but $6 million of it's guaranteed. So if a bloke gets injured, he's guaranteed that six, but then that other four might be, be off the table. Yeah, so there's all sorts of different guarantees they can put in their contract. The, the most common one is like your signing bonus. So my previous contract, it was about 3.9 for two years of which I had um, 750 uh, as a signing bonus. So basically you yeah. sign your contract, they just give you a check for 750 grand right there on the spot. Um, so that's, yeah, it's pretty nice. Um, but then the rest of your contract, yeah. then you're basically back to those other ones I was talking about where they could just cut you right there on the spot and they don't have to pay you out anything. Um, if you do get injured, your salary is guaranteed until you're healthy. So if you get injured week yeah. one um, and you know you don't, be able, you're not able to come back to week 10, if they release you, you would get that uh, portion of your salary guaranteed. But yeah. yeah, that's where the the other guarantees come in. They'll have the ones where based on skill and uh, performance guarantees. So say you signed a five-year deal and you got like 25% all the way through guaranteed. If you got like two or three years in your contract, you've had an injury or two and you're not really performing, they let you go. You just get that portion that was guaranteed paid to you. The rest of it wouldn't matter. Uh, so that's why the guys are always aiming for that guaranteed money and, you know, really arguing over that because, <laughs> no yeah, you want to make sure that you can get your money no matter what happens because, you know, you're, everyone's yeah. always one injury away from their career ending. So you want to make sure you can get as much money as you can in the time you're playing. 
Yeah, well, it's incredible. Yeah, the way it works is just so much different to over here. What? How did you find them for sort of three or four years um, being at Pittsburgh and sort of cementing your spot as, as the punter and um, having a, a, a few pretty good years? What was it like playing in front of all them people and, and such a prestigious team of Pittsburgh? How old and how, how much history is there? What was it like for you to to actually start punting and getting on the field? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, obviously I worked pretty hard to, to get there and being able to see that yeah. come to fruition and be able to get that chance to, you know, to live out my dream was, was pretty awesome. Um, you know, Pittsburgh, they do have a fantastic fan base. Uh, they can get on you though. Like, you know, if you have a bad game, they're going <laughs> to let you know about it and they'll, they'll rip you for it. So it can be pretty stressful at times. But yeah, being able to come here and, um, you know, I've played five years now and, I've got the top four seasons in team history for punting, so, so I've been pretty happy with that. Um, yeah. yeah, just got to yeah, keep working at it and keep getting better. Yeah, mate, it's incredible because I read somewhere as well that um, I think you're the third – How old? I think the Steelers are 80, 90 years old, aren't mm-hmm. they? And I think you're the third longest consecutive punter for the Steelers ever. Like it's it's a pretty amazing thing for a boy that just – from Australia that was just like, all right, well, I want to try and live out my dream and – um, it's an amazing story that you didn't get picked up at the start and um, the resilience and um, the resilience that you had to come back to Australia and still pursue your dream. How do you, do, you, do you credit that sort of coming back here and not getting drafted to making you more resilient and, and what sort of mentally what sort of mental challenges did you have to go through to, to come back here and go, is a dream still alive for me? Yeah, it was one of those ones like especially when you're not getting a single phone call it made it pretty hard at the start but the longer I was back there, the more I was hitting good balls and having good sessions with Nathan and John. And um, you'd watch games on TV and be like, yeah, no, I, I can still do it. I just need someone to look at me. So like it, if I had have gone to like, you know, three or four camps and kept getting cut, it probably would have been different. <laughs> but seeing as I hadn't even got a tryout, um, that definitely yeah. sort of helped me out with my mentality, being able to look at it and say, no, I can do this. Um, I just need a shot. And that's definitely what I took into Pittsburgh when I got there. Um, seeing these guys that... You know, we had a couple of them that, you know, they'd sort of talk himself up a bit and I just went in there to sort of kept my mouth shut, didn't say nothing and just, just punted and, yeah, you know, just did what I needed to do to get the job. And, um, yeah, it's something I've tried to keep going the whole time we're here. I try not to say too much. I don't do too much social media. Just try and just play football and do what the coaches ask of me. And, you know, we've got a pretty tough stadium yeah. and, a, and a tough division to play in all the stadiums. We, we play all the teams up here, uh, like Cincinnati, Baltimore and Cleveland. Like, we're all got an open end to to water up north so it gets cold windy and and wet so um yeah just trying to stick through all that and keep my mind locked in what i need to do it's yeah it's the main thing and now a message from our amazing partner mendel the athlete diaries is proudly supported by mendel a Melbourne-based, non-for-profit apparel label aimed at igniting conversations and raising awareness around men's mental health. All proceeds from sales go directly to a charity of the month. With the discount code AD20, just for our listeners, you can join the Mendel movement today with 20% off at www.mendel.com.au. What's it like as well to... You see, you see in America, you see someone score a touchdown and the amount of carry on and that sort of stuff is something that we're not used to in Australia. What was that like to first go over and see such eccentric characters, people speaking out all the time? And was that, was that something that took you a little bit of time to actually get used to? Um, a little bit. Like I, again, sort of similar thing I was just saying before. I just, 
you know, I was new to America. Like when I first got over here, I went to a small town in Eastern Kentucky. It's complete opposite of what Melbourne yeah. was. So, um, yeah, again, I just, I just rocked up, kept my mouth shut, didn't say nothing, just punted, hung out with the guys and, you know, only really spoke when I was spoken to. Yeah. So just kind of really just gathered out what was happening and just got a feel for the lay of the land and, you know, how everyone sort of went about things and, yeah, it was definitely different though, especially when you get to the NFL, when you start getting all that money come in yeah. as well. Because you get like the younger rookies who are, you know, now they're starting to get money. They've, they've got their own apartment. You know, we can go out and get, you know, a car and all that sort of yeah. stuff. So guys are all pretty excited with that. But then you see that next level up. You get the guys that are on the second contract who they're getting like second houses and, you know, nicer cars. And you see those guys have been playing forever and they've got, you know, jets. boats, cars, <laughs> yeah, multiple houses, jets, all those sort of things. So it's, yeah, you see those top level dudes yeah. and they're all just like super laid back, having a good laugh, you know, money coming out of their ears. And then you got the rookies who, you know, just still hanging out in apartments next to the college kids at Pitt. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, one thing that I was, I was sort of um, going to reiterate on is, is how did you deal with um, the pressure of sort of your first three or four years? You're starting to um, really cement your spot, um, do really well for the Steelers. How, how did you deal with the pressure? Because obviously there is such a big fan base at the Steelers and um, there would have been a lot more pressure on you from the media, from the fans. Um, how do you deal with all that? Um, yeah, so I just try and lock in and, and try not to pay attention to it a lot yep. of the time because uh, you'll get people that have got no idea what they're talking about and they'll get on Twitter and say the craziest shit. So you just ignore that don't even look at the stuff unless you really want to like i, I keep my twitter i don't tweet maybe once a year yeah. now and i usually mainly just keep it to make sure if there's any news about me popping up that i should know about that i that i'm on it other than that i just yeah don't even touch it so you know if i have a real bad game or something like that i'm just don't look at it for a couple of weeks <laughs> and just just let it go yeah. um yeah so that side of things it's yeah just focusing on my job doing what i need to do because you know, at the end of the day, the job I have, I'm not competing against anybody. It's just me versus the weather, basically. Yeah. Um, I just got to catch the ball, get it out there, and, uh, yeah, not let the wind move it too much when I drop it. Uh, so as long as I can control that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be good. So, yeah, just ignore the crowd and do what i got to do and be good to go. Yeah, what's that like when you're sort of getting the ball and you're, someone's throwing it to you and you're, you're almost looking up and you're seeing these big 300-pound blokes running at you and you got to try and punt it? How far do you have to punt it? It's a long way, isn't it? Yeah, so typically we're aiming for about 40, 45 yeah. yards with, with real good hang time. Um, we want to make sure that they don't get any return. We have a good offense and good defense, so we play pretty conservative on our special teams. Just, I'm not trying to smack it too far down the field because you don't want to give these returners much chance to, to get their speed up and, yeah. and get around everyone. So, yeah, pretty much I sit there, lock in. I have my helmet tilted down. So, basically, as soon as that ball snapped, and as it's coming, I'm tracking that ball. And from my vision, the ball's just above that bit of the helmet. So I can't even really oh, see okay. what's going up above there. Basically like a horse with blinders on. Yep. So yeah, I catch it, do my thing, hit it. And then it's basically as soon as you hit the ball, you just see dudes flying around everywhere <laughs> around you. And that's when you start to like, you know, start evading and doing what you need to do to get out of there. Um, but yeah, just yeah, smacking that ball straight up in the air. And yeah, so way they measure it is from where the guy in front of me throws it yep. so it's it's roughly a 50 meter kick and then I'm, I'm aiming for around five seconds of hang time every time to, to give our guys enough height on it so they can get down there and get in space and force a pair catch yeah well it's a long time up in the air as well i feel sorry for that bloke mm. trying to catch it <laughs> um <laughs> has there any been has there been any times where you have sort of been absolutely nailed and they've actually got to you before you kicked it 
Uh, yeah, I've had a couple blocked. Um, so we had one my rookie year where there's a little miscommunication up front where two guys thought the other guy had it. Uh, so this guy just had a free shot at me. So caught it, taken one step, and then he's just gone cutting the legs off. Um, I actually had one this year where there's, again, another bit of miscommunication where we're going to run a fake and some of the guys up front called it off, but they did it verbally and forgot to yell it back to me. I'm 15 yards away, so I can't hear them talking to each other. Uh, so I've taken the snap and started running, expecting them to lead block for me. So I'm running right up behind the guy and then he just does his little move to evade the two guys coming to tackle me. And that, at that point, I've, I've got nowhere to go. And so I'm just going full speed straight into a you know, big linebacker. And he's just nailed me right in the face, knocked me home and off and everything. So yeah, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I'd really enjoy that. Um, and entering into the 2019 season, I think you landed 107 punts inside the 20 in your career at that point. That was a, that's a third most in Steelers history. Um, and then you sort of played that 2019 um, season. Um, it was decent for you, but not as good as as you used to. How do you how do you sort of deal with with the ups and downs? Like it, you've had an amazing career so far, and sometimes it just happens in sport that um, you have many ups and you have a couple of downs. How do you sort of deal and deal with them emotionally yeah so from that that's that's actually a good thing to to bring up like before i was talking about you get fans mm. that that don't really know what they're, they're on about so that one it's more of a field position yeah. thing so early on especially my rookie year the majority of my punts were happening from around the 50 yard line so i'm doing a drop punt chipping it up trying to stop it at you know the 10 5 10 yard yeah. line whereas this year um i don't know if you followed too closely but yeah we had ben go down our quarterback mm. and had a bit of two rookies in there trying to play and um, you know, they, they struggled here and there. So the majority of my punts this year were more backed up and actually did quite well. I was had, I think I was, I think it was my best season from, from being backed up. I think it was second or yeah. third from, from inside our defensive 20 in terms of net yardage. Um, so I, th- I felt this year we had a quite a good season from a punt unit perspective. Yeah. You can look at it sort of that general stat line that they'll put in the yeah. book where the inside 20 number and stuff, but yeah, it's probably, the, see, the, the patch that I had that was my worst was the start of uh, the 2018 season. Yep. So I came out and going through training camp, I didn't have the best camp. Uh, we got it pretty interrupted. We had you know, storms hit at quite a few punt sessions and uh, we had another guy there and we only had the one snapper. So I really wasn't getting as the reps I was used to. Um, so kind of that started eating me in my head a bit where I was like, oh, I'm not yep. ready. I'm not, not right. I haven't done what I needed to do. And then you know, obviously as you know, like once you let something start eating at you, then it's, it can build on itself. Yeah. So yeah, I still punted, punted well, um, got the job again. And yeah, we hit week one, week two, week three. Um, and I was hitting some good balls, but I was also hitting some bad ones. And then I had another one. It was, it was an okay ball, um, but then he got a return back all the way back to where we punted it from. So yeah, I was having a bit of a rough time mentally those first three weeks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, managed to come out that following week and just absolutely smack a couple of balls and, yeah, once you get out there and you can, you can hit a good clean mid five second ball and you know get good distance on it, get a couple of fair catches there, then that basically righted the ship and I was good to go from there. So yeah, for me it was yeah those three games that really messed me about, but yeah sorted out pretty quick and was back on where I needed yeah, to go. Yeah, well it, it it is amazing, isn't it? Like it doesn't matter what sport you play or um, you speak to anyone, any professional athlete is form is such a big thing, isn't it? And it's almost like the confidence mm. bit of it. It's so strange, isn't it? The way that we think is that you can have a couple of bad games, and then as soon as you sort of hit that right ball and you're back in form and you're back with that confidence, you like it's almost like there's a bit of a, a switch flicked in your brain, and you got that rhythm back. And so, how is it like? So many players struggle 
um, with that. Like in cricket, some bloke might get four or five ducks in a row and can't remember how to get a run. And um, yeah. And then all of a sudden they, they hit a few good shots and they're back. How do, how do you sort of, if you do feel like you're starting to get back into that zone where, geez, I've hit a few bad ones here, how is it that you train or is it your mindset that goes, no, let's go back to the basics um, and let's get back to where I need to be? Yeah, so it was a bit of an interesting one because, um, yeah, that season, uh, Boswell, our kicker, was also not playing too great. So, yeah, sort of the two of us both having our first bad patch. You know, we've been playing together for four yeah. years and, and he'd basically been perfect for four years. And, you know, I'd played quite well, you know, set most of the records here. And, um, yeah, having us both have a bit of a down patch, there was sort of the coaches got around us and, you know, like, hey, you know, you, got, you guys can both do this. You're smashing it well at practice. Um, let's just focus in, you know. We started doing the ones we'd walk through the field before the game and, They'd be like, hey, you know, from this spot you smack this ball, this spot you smack this ball, this spot you smack this ball. So it's you know you can you can do it. So let's just get out of the day, just do your thing and, and hit it. Don't worry about like don't think about what can go wrong. Think about what can go right and and how you can dominate the day, kind of thing. Rather than you know you get start thinking like, oh, the wind's in my face, come at this angle. Oh, if I drop it here, it's going to be a bad ball. And then what happens when you go out there to drop it because you've been thinking about the bad one? That's that's what happens. So yeah, once I could eliminate that back out of my system and, and revert to thinking about the positives and, and being at my best. Um, yeah, right of the ship and you know, it's good to go. Yeah, it, it is amazing when you sort of listen to different sports and different professional athletes talk about how they get back into the zone. Um, but yeah, that, that is really interesting. Going going back to Boswell as well, obviously you two have been playing together for so long now. I saw a video how you guys stay in a dorm. So, so at training camp, do you literally stay pretty much on campus and then get back into training yeah so pittsburgh we do our training camp at st vincent's college so it's about an hour hour and a half from downtown pittsburgh uh so it's it's actually got i think it's the largest monastery in north america on campus as well so you're basically hanging out at this small college with a bunch of monks and yeah we just got the three football fields between the the dorms and there's the fields and the cafeteria on the other side so you just basically locked into that area 24 7 um, so you wake up in the morning, we go out and do our, what's called our walkthrough where we're all on the field and we're just walking through the plays, making sure everyone knows the calls and all that sort of stuff. Go have some lunch, come back in the afternoon, we'll do practice and they'll get five to 10,000 people in there watching practice. And then we'll go from there and have dinner and then do meetings all night. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting environment. Uh, you're there for three, four five weeks, depending on how long the preseason is and who you're playing. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good fun, but yeah, definitely now that you've been in the league for five, six years, it starts to get a bit old sleeping on those college dorm yeah, beds. They're pretty small, aren't they? I couldn't believe it, yeah. how small, small the rooms were for years. I was... Yeah, we got, we got one guy who sleeps on the floor because they're too small. <laughs> oh, mate, it's brilliant. What is, what's a culture like in an NFL team? Is it, is it very um, seriously put time into as well? Because obviously here in sport, obviously team sports that culture is a big thing but in NFL like you you're in your different teams offense defense special teams um is it put on is culture as big of a thing as it is here or is it something that it's hard to do because you're actually not together all the time yeah I'd say it's it's different um not just in terms of having that sort of culture of the football team but the way like culturally between Australia and America, that's, it's one of the big differences. Like you think about like a footy team back home, like they're together all the time. You've got the end of season footy trip, you do mad Monday, all those kind of things together. Whereas over here, it, yeah, it's sort of somewhat because 
the positions are also segmented. Uh, a lot of the times it'll be like the offensive line will do these things together all the time. The defensive line will hang out and do these things all the time. You know, specialists, me and my long snapper, we live on the same street. Um, Boswell's just up the street. So, you know, three of us will go do our thing and hang out all the time. Yeah. Um, so you have that good culture in amongst the groups, but just because of the size of the team and then how different the schedules can be for everyone, a lot of the time those big full group entire team outings don't really happen that often. Um, plus then you've also got the cultural differences between just the players themselves. Like, you know, you might get the guys from Florida all want to go hang out together do their thing and then you got the guys from like you know the country guys want to go hang out um so yeah it's 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 different um yeah there's, that's the biggest shock to me is rocking up and then you finish the season and everyone just leaves town there's no mad monday or anything like that i was like oh okay not even right, end of season <laughs> nah, none of that really? stuff so yeah it's it's different um yeah a lot of those sort of get together things will happen more in the preseason when they do their training yeah. and you know the quarterback ben he'll get all the receivers to come around and they'll, they'll go somewhere together or the offensive line at the moment have been doing a big group thing so they get together and train as a unit so they can all get their calls right and then they go hang out and eat and everything all together so it's just a little different in the way to go go, go about it yeah well, it sounds like it's, it's completely different to here um one thing that that um i guess a lot of people do put a lot of um importance on is is life away from sport is it something that um, Jordan Berry was someone that loved NFL and lived and breathed it when he was young and, and now it's turned into a, a person that outside of footy you try to get away from it now or, or are you still um, are you still trying to absorb yourself in it? What's, what do you do when you finish training? Yeah, so really during the season you've got no other option but to be fully absorbed in it. Yeah. Uh, the way our setup is like we come in the morning, we'll have meetings 8 o'clock in the morning and by the time they do offense and defense and positional meetings you know we don't practice until one two o'clock in the afternoon so we're there all morning and usually it's just again talking about that positional group splitting up me cam and boz the snapper and kicker the three of us just hanging out doing our thing we'll lift together hang out together go eat together and all that sort of stuff in the morning then we'll go to practice and again all the position groups are doing anything different the three of us are just together 24 7 and um yes you do all that by the time you get done with practice it's you know, 5 30 you have your dinner get home it's at six cool. o'clock and yeah, you pretty much, yeah, you're basically done. Like you sit down, watch a little bit of TV, cook yourself a second dinner and go to bed. And so there's not really a whole lot of time to be doing much else. Uh, we get one day off a week, but typically the way that it's structured, I'll still go in and do an upper body workout on that day and, and get a massage. So you're still spending, you know, half the day still wrapped up in football. Yeah. So for that period of that 17, 18 weeks, of regular season plus your playoffs, so you're just hundred percent football. Um, the difference here is once the season's over, we don't say you don't make playoffs like we did this year. We're done first week of January. We don't have to report back till middle of April. So you get three and a half months yeah. there to go do whatever you want. So that's that's the period where, you know, I'll go back to Australia or um, my wife's from Kentucky down near Eastern Kentucky University. So, you know, we've got a house down there. We'll go hang out down there with her family yeah. and, um, yeah, just basically get out of Pittsburgh and go do some other things and, yeah, sort of take a couple of months off of really basically doing anything football related just to refresh yourself so that when you come back, you can 100% lock in and, and not be burnt out. Yeah, we are. Is it, is it something that you've you've given much thought to is um, finishing after your career and what, what, what degree did you do at university and uh, what are you sort of looking to do when you, when you finish? Uh, yeah, so I did a teaching degree. Yeah. Um, just not 100% sure if that's what I want to do. Um, sort of hoping I can play long enough so I could basically just retire and <laughs> go have some fun yeah. um but uh yeah like we did a lot of kicking camps in in college uh so over the summer period we got a 
guy who helped out Nathan and John originally. He travels around America and does coaching camps. And so I did that for two summers and, and really enjoyed it. So that's probably something I would do. Um, yeah, I'd probably still look at teaching. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know I've just been looking around for other options at the moment, whether I get into business yeah. or, um, you know, pick up a trade or something. I'm, I'm not 100% sure what exactly what I want to do. So it's a little bit of research I've been doing yeah, lately. Well, is there much help with the NFL Players Association? Like there's a lot... There's a lot of help here now and there's a lot of resources to put into player development outside of sport. Is there much there at the Steelers or the NFL Players Association? Yeah, so we actually get um, every year that you're in the NFL, you get um, a certain amount of money. I'm not sure exactly what it is paid towards university credits. So if you want to do online classes and stuff, you can. And then also when you retire, you get basically two years paid for of university. So that's part of it, trying to work out exactly what I want to do and, and go in because obviously I've got my undergrad degree, lots of stuff. It's trying to work out my master's, what I want to really focus in on and whether I want to, you know, get an MBA yeah. or, you know, expand my teaching degree and stuff like that. But yeah, really, again, at the moment when I'm playing football, I like to just lock in on that. And, you know, if I'm feeling stressed out, I don't want to have a second thing on my plate. And, you know, some guys are different. We've got, you know, villain a waiver on our team. He's an offensive lineman. He's, he's just a different character. He, uh, so he's done three tours of Afghanistan. He was he grew up in Europe. Um, so he speaks, you know, like four languages. Come in here, he's, you know, he's wow. six foot nine, like army captain. He's done special forces stuff. Come here, plays offensive line. Just got himself a nice big contract. But then on the side, he's been doing a MBA at Carnegie Mellon, which is basically the best business school in America. So busy um, man. yeah, you've got guys, you've got guys like that on the team who just can't like stop doing things, but. You know, for me, that's that's not. I can't really keep up that pace. So I've sort of just kept the idea. I'm just going to leave it till I'm done and do one thing at a time. <laughs> what do you do to get away from from football? I've seen that you play a little bit of games and sort of video of that. Is that something that you like to do? And what else is there that you try to keep occupied? Yeah, play. Yeah, play video games quite yeah. a bit. Uh, in college, didn't really have an Xbox or anything, so I didn't really do a whole lot of that back in college. It's kind of more just just drinking yeah. <laughs> with, with the guys back in college. But in our start, um, yeah, come home. Got got my basement set up pretty good, so. Yeah, I got the big computer here, which I'm talking to yeah. you on, and you, know, you can see in the back there I've got my, my racing set up for when I do the online that racing. Looks elite. So, um, yeah, it's good fun. <laughs> yeah, so it's a bit of a workout too if you turn yeah. the, the resistance right up. Uh, yeah, so just that's pretty much it for me. Just come home, do that, yeah. and yeah, hang out with the wife. That's awesome, mate. What, what's the what's the the future plans? Hopefully, uh, the Steelers can sort of go one better. Well, hopefully, there's a season that goes ahead. But is it is it? sort of possible that you think the Steelers in the next couple of years can really give it a tilt? Yeah, like we've got the, we've got the team every year to, to get it mm. done. Um, the NFL, it's just so close and, and the parity with the way they've set it all up with the drafting and the schedules and stuff. It's just, you've got to, you can't just be a good team. You have to be the best team every Sunday that you go out and play. Um, you know, we had a the year the other year where we went 13 and three, get to the playoffs and, um, lost the game, we, we probably should have won. You know, we let them get 21 points in, in the first quarter and we come back and still nearly won it. Um, so you got things like that where you just can't fall asleep here at any stage. Um, so I think this year, um, if we can get the season going with all this COVID mm. stuff, I think we've, we've definitely got a really good shot to make it happen. Um, but yeah, past that, it's all going to depend on, on contracts, who we keep around, yeah. how guys develop, the rookies and stuff like that, and, and, and yeah, what the other teams are doing. Yeah, definitely. Well, mate, it's, it's, it's been really insightful. I think it's going to be um, something that I've really enjoyed speaking to you and, and learning from you about. So I'm, I'm sure that so many other people are as well. And, uh, and all the best for the future, mate. I'll be, I'm a, definitely a converted Steelers fan, so I'll be uh, keeping a keen eye out for you and, um, and yeah. enjoy uh, your brother coming over and, uh, to Kentucky. So... Mate, exciting times for you and thank you for coming on.
Yeah, no problem. Yeah, thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed that unique story of a man that chased his dream, one that here in Australia we aren't so aware of. Stay tuned for next week. We have a cracker of a show. And if you have any questions, you can get hold of us at theathletediaries.net or through any of the social pages. Have a great week, guys, and stay safe.